I'm Luke Kennedy with the McCain Institute, and you're in the arena with leaders and citizens who are taking character-based action. I'm in Sedona for the Sedona Forum, and this is a very special episode of In the Arena. I'm with one of our next generation leaders, Modu So from The Gambia. Uh, thank you very much, Modu, for joining us in the arena, first of all. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for having me here. And we, uh, we catch you uh, after some pretty intense training the last better part of a week or maybe more. You've been in Arizona at Arizona State University on the third of four pretty intense training modules, part of your year-long uh, participation as a next-generation leader with the McCain Institute. And then, you know, here you are uh, right here for the, the Sedona Forum as a very active participant with all these international leaders that have come in. But I want to I back up a little bit here. Um, how was it that you came from the Gambia as a successful leader to join the McCain Institute as a next-generation leader? Uh, thank you, Luke, for that question. It's a good question for me. Uh, this is a matter of commitment and determination to service and serving your people right. Uh, I started working for the farmers when immediately after completing my senior secondary school when I realized that uh, the farmers are challenged and faced by a lot of livestock theft where I just organized youths, fellow youths, to organize a small community group that develops to be a national organization today called the National Livestock Owners Association. And in that also, because of my experience and working with farmers, it was known I was also taken to be the national youth coordinator of the National Coordinating Organization for All Farmer Associations. So you were, so you, that's a lot. So if, if I have this right, so you were in government working with farmers and specifically within that uh, connected to livestock and bettering that aspect of agriculture. Uh, I have the government as a partner that was supporting the idea that I developed and the concept they were supporting that concept. Actually, I don't work with the government. I was only working with the farmers as a volunteer, doing that voluntary service for the betterment of my livestock sector. That is the livestock sector of my country. So that is how I developed my leadership. Unknowingly to me, I was moving to a leadership journey. But my, my commitments were to serve the farmers of my country. How did you learn about the McCain Institute and the Next Generation uh, Leadership? I learned about the McCain Institute when a friend came and told me that there is a program going on and it can help you to develop your leadership capacity. This was the time I, I said, okay, let me just see what I can do. He told me, I will nominate you. He was my boss in office. He said, okay, I will nominate you for it. Uh, but I, when I just went and read the whole thing, I said, wow, this is challenging. Out of a lot of people, this is the number of people they are selecting. I, I, but I was very optimistic that I will get it. I was very hopeful that I will get it because I know what I'm doing and I know the type of people that the McKinney Institute is looking to support and work on. So I just decided to apply. Luckily, I am here today. So you got it. You know, one of, uh, one of 10 selected out of uh, more than 1,500 uh, applicants, and I promise we'll go forward and not keep going backwards, but I do want to ask, how did you get interested in agriculture? Um, agriculture in my country is one of the highest employers of all sectors. It employs almost 70% of my population. But yet still, my interest in agriculture was on how best can we make agriculture more attractive to youths to come in. Because by looking at the country, the GDP, on, and putting it on scale... 
when I said 70% of the youth are employed, uh, uh, sorry, 70% of the people are farmers, and looking at what are we producing, there is a huge balance. There is no balance between them. Because with that 70%, it's only able to produce 33% of the GDP. So it's not as effective as it's it It's not as, it as effective. Be. It's not productive. It's not that much profitable. And it is highly labor intensive. So it is not able to attract youth to the sector. So it's not for lack of work. It's not for lack of arable land or suitable situation. I mean, we, we were just talking before we walked over to do this. We're in Sedona, this beautiful environment here. And you said, you know, it looks a lot like your country. So you have right. a beautiful, you know, Arizona is not uh, green everywhere. That's to be sure. But where we're at is very green, lots of water, that kind of thing. And, and the Gambia, that's not the issue then. It's no. it's So then it's resourcing and information or, or what is it it's best practices what 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 are you what are you trying to bring there i will look at it in the direction of best practices and support for the farmers uh I, this is always my problem not only in the gambia but in africa as a whole uh, when you look at our agricultural sectors are the most educated sectors but immediately after training most of these people who are trained on farming to come and support the farmers they are in offices they don't work so the farmers are lacking that contact of having effective farming practices, so they don't know, so they don't know what to do, and uh, they are because the people that are supposed to show them the way for productive agriculture are in the offices. They don't have interaction with the farmers, and also in terms of agriculture in in my country specifically, farmers are only farming mostly for six months because they are only using rain-fed agriculture. Irrigation is very few. The so six months out of the year. Six months out of the year, and what you have is, is what is supposed to feed you for the whole year. So that means what you are having is not enough. So that's why people are not interested mostly in the sector. They want to venture into sectors that will serve them year-round, and they can have their savings from it. So you knew a lot, and we're making a lot happen in agriculture before you came to spend time with, uh, with us. But uh, I spent some time... Uh, with you in New York as part of the New York training module uh, back at the beginning of the year. But I think it's more germane to ask you just what you've been up to these last few days in the Arizona uh, training module. And I get for a listener out there like, well, training module, I don't know what that is or what it looks like. But, but you know, you've had, uh, you've caught up with uh, the likes of Ambassador uh, Barbara Barrett and I right. believe an astronaut. Right. And these are just kind of social engagements. I think it, the idea is to really challenge what you're trying to do with your leadership. So talk to me about what you've learned and how you've been challenged. Oh, what I learned mostly from all these people, these are sensational leaders, leaders that are very experienced. But one thing that is driving them to go forward is the will to serve people. Because if you have the will to serve people, you will be innovative because you want to come out with new options, new ideas for people to learn from. And how can you help people? If you always think about how can I help people, you always have a solution that can help you help these people. So this is what I learned from most of them. They are motivating. They will give you all the ideas. They are challenges. But how are they able to work from those challenges to make them something that is attractive to others and support others to develop? So how do you translate that to agriculture? I mean, I grew up, my dad was a farmer. I've done some uh, uh, farming or at least, you know, hard work on a farm uh, uh, here and there. And I think that you know, ambassadors and, and generals, and they know maybe a little bit about farming, and you're not just talking to ambassadors and generals, but I guess what I'm asking is, you know, high-level leadership and international leadership, but, but boy, when it comes to on the ground and what you need to do on a farm, 
You know, you can't uh, do it with a policy paper or a speech or anything like that. Um, so what are you learning? How are they helping you? Oh, well, as I always say this wherever I go. I say this program, that is the McKinney Institute NGL program, is the most rewarding program I've ever been, been to. Because uh, the program helped me to come. When I was coming to the Gambia, I was thinking like any other farmer, that the only solution for agricultural development is industrialization. Mm. But coming to U.S. on this training has changed the entire idea that I was developing. So it's not just big tractors. It's not just big, big tractors, yeah. these big equipment. Because I will tell you of, of, of a concept that I want to go and implement in my country. Okay. It will be challenging. It will be difficult for them to understand because that concept is not there yet. And we were all with the same concept of industrialization as the most ideal solution. But coming to U.S. to study about no-till, no-till agriculture, you don't do any tillage. But it's more profitable, more productive, and less labor-intensive, and it's very climate-friendly. Now, where, I want to circle back to that now. You were placed, remind me where you were placed at for your leadership training. I am placed in California with, uh, at, at the, at, in Davis mm -hmm. with the Community Alliance with Family Farmers. That gives me access to have access to different farmers within California. So that, that's where you're getting a first-hand look at things like no-till exactly. and, and the like, which is a key part of the, how we do our program is yeah. to get you where you can really learn and, and be challenged. Exactly. So you... Um, I mean, I'll just be blunt. You know, this uh, Next Generation Leaders, it is a fellowship, but it's tied to really coming out when you're done and carrying out an action plan. It's not, you know, boy, I had a fellowship and it's really neat and I learned some things and uh, met some neat people. It's, no, I'm, I have a plan. So that's what you were kind of alluding to a little bit that uh, you think is going to be uh, a challenge. What are you going to take back? What's your plan? However, my challenge, oh, my, my concept here is to establish a no-till farm academy. This one now will be a farm that will train, support, and motivate you to participate in agriculture. Because going through the concept of no-till no is a concept that is very likely to attract youth. Because uh, why are they running away from farming? Because it's not profitable. And this concept is profitable. It's not productive. This concept is productive. Uh, also, it's lab uh, the other concept, uh, that's the concept that they were using before, we are high labor intensive. This concept of no-till is less labor intensive. So uh, is this going to be a big farm, a small farm? How do you want it to shape up? Uh, one thing to attract people, you don't need that much big farm. With no-till, we don't need um, that much a big farm because that will tell you the difference. That will able to highlight the difference between your farm and other farms. You allow others to have big farms, you have a small farm, and now allow people to compare what you are having as, as your input and what you are having as an output people to compare them and what are they having what are they putting in as their input and what is their outcome this will give them the chance to compare and they, that will attract them easily because like i said talking to them about the concept they might not easily adopt it because they are already f focused on other concepts and most of them are thinking like industrialization is the only option but this is not the so only how are you going to go about it how you i guess you to have a farm you got to get the land you got to get some people to look after the land and then in this case, you're a teaching farm, a developmental farm. Uh, 
how do you get people to show up to be taught? Uh, or already, I'm the national youth coordinator of uh, the national networking body. With that, that will be my entry point mostly, where I can call people to come and join me. And I will also include the Gambia College and the University of the Gambia Agricultural Sector. I also have access to those ones, and, and I can also bring. They can also be like supportive to bring in people on board to support the. Program. So you have a network, and they they uh, they know you. So uh, you're. Uh... You just you, you need the land or you want to kind of establish the land and I think you have an idea of how to do that as well. Exactly. We just need we need the land, the land being secured and it is being fenced and activities start on it and that will attract people. So how are you getting the land? Are you are you gonna buy it or are you gonna donate it? Or are you gonna are people supporting you or how can they support you? I think uh, that's one thing that will be challenging because I I need support for people to support me on that and so that we can acquire that land. If we have that land with few resources, we can work on it and start implementing the project. Well, I mean, sometimes people don't want to talk uh, exact figures and the like, but do you think it's going to take a a tremendous a, 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 a lot of uh, money to do that? Um, you know, how do you... How do you anticipate the funding working out? Oh, I always I say when you say money, you can say it's small amount and others can say it's big amount. But we need resources to start that farm. Uh, it might be to another person a, a tremendous amount. Oh, this is a lot of money. But to another person, it might not be that much. But the only thing that we say, we need support for the farm to okay. start operating. And supporting the farm is like supporting the whole country. Modu, it's it's clear that you see no-till as a as, as really something that the Gambia uh, should implement. Um, what can you grow in the Gambia with no-till? I always say this: I'm very fortunate to be in California because most of the crops that can grow in California can grow in the Gambia. We can grow lettuce, we can grow onions, we can grow tomatoes. Uh, all the vegetables that grow in California can grow in the Gambia. And uh, also the crops like rice and others can also grow in the Gambia. We have a lot of crops that crop options because we are lucky to be at a climate that is very friendly for all crops. We are not that much warm and we are not that much cold climate. So, and I know you're pursuing a number of different options and, and I'm aware you have a, a go uh, fund me uh, uh, where you described uh, what you're looking to set up with this uh, with this farm. And, and, and that, that strikes me as a... Uh, a modern way to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to support an activity like this. So you have a few more months to go in the Next Generation Leader uh, uh, Fellowship here, and then it's right back to the Gambia to make this happen? or Yeah, it's right back to the Gambia to, to make this thing happen. So that's why I need uh, support of the people, the general public, that this is what I want to implement, and this is how I want to support a nation. So supporting that GoFundMe program is like supporting a nation, and uh, it's not one person. Mm. We can all rescue people, fight against poverty, climate uh, issues, because the no-till is very climate smart, and uh, supporting the youth of a nation and developing that nation. So um, you know, going back to your country, um, you can sense your passion. You have a clear mission. Um, I guess really kind of two questions. You know, what's your vision? What would you like to see? You know, pick a time, two years, three years, one year from now, to do with your farm, but then, you know, also your country. And I think, you know, please, if you would, take the opportunity to tell people like me, who should know a lot more about the Gambia than I, than I do, um, 
you know, some, some things we should know and how we should have a better uh, understanding of, uh, of your country. Okay, about the Gambia. The Gambia, we always say, is the smallest country on mainland Africa with a population of 1.8 million. And also, agriculture employs almost about 70% of the population, which is going down every day because youths are pulling out. Uh, in the country itself is divided into two halves by a river, and that's between the that divides the country into two halves. That is the River Gambia. Uh, actually, we have little things before that is about uh, the government. We have a good governance, and we always say we are the smiling coast of Africa. I always tell people that if you want to know about the Gambia, you cannot spell the name. Just type the smiling coast of Africa. Is the yeah we will that will give you the most options of the country and that is why but uh, Gambia is among the poorest countries of the world with that because one thing that contributes to that is that we have no natural minerals mm. so the only option that we have as a country is agriculture but uh, it's discouraging Money, many youths will quit the field of agriculture and just go to the tourist sector just without being employed, just to follow tourists and start having something from them. So that's what you want to see change, whether it's in a year or two years or, or five years. Uh, that's what you're wanting to see change through your initial effort in this yeah, teaching farm is what I'm calling it. You call it what you right, want. But. Right. <laughs> within, within three years, I want to see an increase in the number of youth farmers in the country. And that for employment, it will agriculture will be the main source of employment. It will also be source of economic development and it will still be providing enough food. When you look at the Gambia, we are talking about 70% of farmers but almost 80% of our food is from outside countries. Now, you say youth farmers, um, I mean, to me, in one way that sounds great because it seems like, you know, such noble work uh, to you know, help feed your country and to be able to produce uh, food that's, that's doing more than that. But uh, I also think, oh my gosh, you know, you want youth to get the education they should have too, right? I know in right. the United States for a long time and probably still in places you have people that go to the fields before they go to school or go to the fields and don't go to school. I don't think that's what you're talking about. All right. That's what we are talking about is like um, people are going to school, but we have a lot of dropouts. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for them to grab instead of being unemployed. And uh, when you look at the Gambia, we have a lot of illegal migration to Europe. We are losing a lot of our future generation to the back way. We call it back way in the Gambia. In the Mediterranean Sea, youths are going off. They are dying in the sea. Some are dying in the border, in the war zone. That's like an example is Libya. We are losing a lot of youths to Libya. And even some of them are dying in other countries before Libya. So, you know, the McCain Institute and our partners, I mean, it's not just about us to be fair, but... Uh... Uh, economic opportunity is is something that we really you know say we fight for and champion and 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 and, and people that are taking action along those lines and that are in the arena uh, this strikes me uh, as a as a prime example of what economic opportunity can look like and that is something that has to be fought for i mean this doesn't strike me as a easy challenge that you're uh, taking on but it uh, it sounds like it's one that you uh you're ready for and you're uh, equipped for and uh, you, you think the past several months have helped you go back in a way that uh, that that you well it sounds like you did anticipate that 
that coming here for a year would help you be able to go back and do what you want to do. Right. Yeah, that's like I said at the beginning, this is the most rewarding program I can ever have. And it has developed my I was not thinking about these concepts before before coming here. I was thinking about how do you bring in investors to bring in more things. Right. And use other things. But now with the training, it has molded me to a way that I can serve the people better. And that economic opportunities will come through agriculture as, as we see. And it will reduce illegal migration. It will reduce unemployment. It will even reduce crime rates. Because if youths are not employed, they need, they need to do something. They need to eat. They need to wear clothes. They need shelter. What will they do? And they don't have any employment. It puts them to illegal activities. So now fighting against those, that eradication of illegal activities is to give them something to do. And the ultimate for the Gambia is agriculture. So economic opportunity tied to security, tied to freedom, right. tied to human dignity. Exactly. Moduso, absolute pleasure to, uh, to have you in the arena. We look forward to keeping up with you, to uh, supporting you, and we hope uh, we'll be able to have you back uh, down the line to, to keep us updated on uh, your leadership action plan. Thank you for having me. You have just prepared me to be the best servant of the people and i'm molded to serve the people the best way i can with the mccain institute in the arena concept i am happy to be here thank you this podcast is produced by patrick mccann and justin kessler if you like what you hear please subscribe tell your friends or leave a review